you, Lord. As I was just worshiping, this verse kept ringing in my heart. Judges 16, 22. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. But the hair began to grow again after it had been shaved. It's talking about Samson, who was called to deliver Israel from their, from, their, from their prisoners, from their captives. And he had supernatural strength that was given him, and it was tied to his hair. And he found himself in the dungeon. He, 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 got, he, he slipped up, and he told a woman what, uh, what, what was his secret. She shaved his hair, and here he is captured by his enemies in a place where he thinks surely his destiny is gone. Surely his calling is over. Surely everything God had created him for was out the door. And then you see this little verse here. It says, but his hair began to grow back. <laughs> Listen, I feel with all my heart right now, there's several of you, if not every one of us, in some capacity, you found yourself in a position that you didn't think you were going to be in. A place where you didn't think you would be. Maybe a place that you saw God say, I'm gonna, you're going to be here, but all of a sudden you're here in a place that seems like a dungeon or a place that's completely void of your destiny. I'm telling you right now, the hair is growing back. I feel it. I feel like 2017, the dreams that you thought they're gone, there's no possible way this could happen. They're going to sprout. You know, they got seeds they found that are hundreds of years old. The moment that they sprout, they begin again. Psalms 37, there's a few things that the Lord's been speaking to my heart over the past uh, weeks. And um, as I was praying this morning, one thing the Lord has been dealing with me about, especially over the past couple of weeks with Raphael being in, which is such an amazing blessing just to spend time with him and what he, uh, just his heart. and his, I've seen such a change in him since we were down in July, August of last year. <laughs> it's last year now. Uh, when we were down last year, the change I've seen in him is amazing. And the only way, only reason that it's changed is because of the secret place. It's because of the time he spent with the Lord in the secret place. And as I've been meditating and just been intentional on spending time with the Lord, before he came, and then when he came, he just like, it was like drinking an amp drink, you know. It, it, was, it was awesome. But the Lord just encouraged my heart, and I want you to hear me in this, is I realized this this morning. There are people probably in this room who are more educated in the Bible than I am. There are people in this room who are more gifted prophetically than I am. There are people in this room who are probably more gifted at communication and communicating than I am. I don't care. Because <laughs> I'm not called to be them. I'm not called to do what they do. I'm called to do what I do. And the thing the Lord kept speaking in my heart last night as I was praying for people is this. And it, it, was, it was brought out again here today about destiny, destiny, destiny. What is destiny? It's God's purpose and intention for your life. But here's what the Lord kept speaking in my heart. You'll never embrace or understand your destiny till you know your identity. Because if you just have this big dream and vision but have no idea who you are, it'll be one or two. It'll be, it'll be out of reach or it'll be discouraging, which are the same, or it'll be unrealistic 
or it'll be uh, to where you strive to try to reach it. Because you don't understand who you are, and therefore you, you feel like this is either bigger than I am, which it is. If you feel that you've got a dream from God and you can do it, it's not from him. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. It can be a, great, a good idea, but it's not a dream from him. Because if, as I study the word of God, every time God put a dream in a man, it was more than a man could do. There's nothing he could do in and of himself to make it come to pass. When he told Mary, he said, you're going to have a baby without knowing a man. How many of you know that was beyond her control and her ability to produce? So when God's wanting to birth something in us that's from him, that's of his seed, it's bigger than us. So if you had an idea about 2017, I'm telling you, his idea is bigger. <laughs> his idea is bigger than your idea. Not because you deserve it, because he does. He paid the price for it. And all we have to do is open our hearts and receive what he has for us and say yes and amen to his promise. And the only way we're going to do that, I'm telling you, the only way we're going to do that is through, uh, I think Joseph Prince preached a series called Restful Increase. But what God's been speaking in my heart for days is restful increase. And I was meditating on it last night and this morning in, in my uh, and my, as I was spending time with the Lord this morning early, just laying in my prayer room, he kept bringing back to me about rest. And then we were in, the, in the, the bedroom this morning. Tina cut the TV on just before I left, and Creflo Dollar was teaching, and guess what he was teaching on? Rest. And he was teaching on stuff I had written in my notes from studying months ago. He was talking about Noah. Noah's actual name means this, Rest. Noah's name means rest. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, it says this, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then it goes on in verse 9, it says, and Noah walked with God. So if his name means rest, so here's what it says this, that rest found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And rest walked with God. That doesn't make sense. Hold on. Psalms 37 Psalms 37, verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Verse 6, he shall bring forth your, your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Verse 7, the first part of verse 7 says this, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. The word rest in the Hebrew is manucha. And it means this, a resting place, a place of stillness, of consolation, of peace, a quiet place. So, rest isn't just, it's not inactivity, it's a place of stillness, of quietness, of peace. It's a resting place. And as I was thinking about that, Matthew 6, 6, I shared last night, is a, is a verse that God's really used in my life this past year. And it's, it says that, don't be like the, the hypocrites who stand in the synagogues and in the street corners and pray. He said, but you, when you pray... You go into your room and you shut your door. 
And when you shut your door, you pray to, to the Father in secret. And the Father who sees and hears in secret, he'll reward you openly. What place? It's that secret place. Last night we had many people say, I want to know God more. I want to know God more. You know how you're going to know God more? In the secret place. Am I against school? Absolutely not. But I can tell you as a testimony, in high school, I graduated. And I felt like when I walked across the stage, I heard faintly in the background the hallelujah chorus. It was thank you, Lottie. Not magna, not summa, but thank you, Lottie, that we got through. When I went to Bible college, I was determined I wasn't going to be that guy. I studied. I studied. I carried an, an A average in Bible college. And I studied, I studied, I studied. And you know what happened? The school that I was going to, they, they, it was a satellite school in Asheboro, North Carolina, but the main campus was in Church Point, Louisiana. And because of the attendance in our school began to, to wane, they closed our satellite school when I was just about, probably about six or eight credits, I think it was, away from my bachelor's degree. And uh, I was kind of bummed. I, I wrote to them, and the school didn't dissolve, just the school that I was going to, and they sent me my associate's degree. I worked six years for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, but in that, I, I, I remember when it, it shut down, and uh, I was sitting there, and I was like, all right, God, what now? I don't have the piece of paper. In the denomination I was in, that piece of paper meant everything. That piece of paper would open the door. That piece of paper said that you were worthy of what you felt like God had called you to do. And so I was struggling. So I went to him. I went to the word. I want you to know me, my heart right now. I'm not against education. I'm not against school at all. I'm for school. I'm for education in its place. In its place. For me, it became a pursuit so that I could say, here's what I did that I'm worthy to do what God called me to do. Let me tell you this. You'll never be worthy based on what you do. It's only what he did. And I, so I'm there and I'm in this place and I don't even know what this place is and I'm frustrated because I look back at all these years of school and I say, if this is all there is to it, then I quit. I love people. I love talking to people. I'm that social butterfly kind of guy. I'm going to talk to people. As Stephen says, I'll find a friend. You know, I'll find somebody to talk to. I'll find, I said, I'll get a job working with the public. But if this is all there is, this pursuit that I've been on of education and stuff like that, then I give up, God. That, that's not what I want. I, I don't want an impersonal God that I can just know a lot of information about. I said, I got to know you. I have to know you. And he, he stirred my heart to, to really pursue him in that secret place, to really pursue him and to know him as, as a friend, not just this God who's way off. I had the grades to prove it, but you know what? I sat there and I, I, I was before the Lord and I was crying and I said, God, this is empty. This can't be you. This is empty. And he said, no, I want you to get to know me. Because Jesus talked to the to the Pharisees, he said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. Well, that sounds like an oxymoron. That sounds like a contradicting statement because in the scriptures, we find out about eternal life, right? 
But he goes on to say, but what you're looking for is me, and I'm here, and you've rejected me. And I was like, God, I, don't, I, can't, I can't do that anymore. And he, I read Hebrews 13.8 like it was the first time I'd ever read it in my life. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I said, I don't, I don't know him. I don't know this God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because the one I've been taught about, the one I've been in school about says he was this way. And then he resurrected. And then the the apostles all died. And now he's a different way. Because everything that he did and they did died with him. And them. Not him. He's alive. But with them. With the apostles. And I said, there's got to be more than just this. We tie a knot in the rope and hang on until Jesus comes. And I went into the secret place, and I began to cry out to the Lord, God, I have to know you. And his Bible came alive to me. It wasn't something I was pursuing for a grade anymore. It was a person that I desired to have a relationship with. And I'm telling you, in this new year, you can pursue education, and that's commendable. But if you don't pursue the man and to have an intimate relationship with him, at the end, all you'll have is a lot of education, And a lot of frustration because you'll have stuff that you don't know what to do with. When he said, my my desire is to passionately love you and to equip you to change the world around you. So it doesn't, it's not, it's not like Jesus or education. When you get him, you'll get more educated than you ever thought you could. And if if school is a tool that you use to push you to him, that's awesome. But for me, it was a pursuit. And I can honestly say, when, when they told me that they'd close the school down and they would send me my associate's degree, I was empty. And I felt like, I don't even know what I spent the last six years of my life doing. Did I fall out of love with God? Did I lose my salvation? No. I would say, I really began to understand what salvation was. And my heart for this church, for this body, in this new year, is that we'll... Are we anti-education? Absolutely not. We've got people in our, in our uh, fellowship that are going to uh, Convergence School of Ministry. And I'm thankful for them because there's awakening. I see their eyes awakening. And I see their hearts opening up. And uh, I see them being activated to walk out this thing that we believe. But we don't have to go to school. You can go to your closet. And I've seen it time and time and time again. I've seen people who just get along with God and say, God, I've got to know you as a person. And they come out, and I've seen them be years ahead of people who've spent thousands of dollars in education because they get to know the man, Christ Jesus. They get to this place that Psalms 37, they trust in the Lord, they do good, they dwell in land, they feed on his faithfulness, they delight in the Lord, and he gives them the desires of their heart. They commit their way to him, they trust in him, and he brings it to pass. I've seen so much. I've had it. I've had people come to me in this past week and tell me, Raphael even spoke about it while he was here, when he was in the church before uh, we went to the DR and told him, God's called you into ministry. When he was there, he would have people come up to him all the time and say, man, you're gifted. Man, you're the real pastor here. Man, you should be doing this on your own. And he was like, I'm not touching it. I want to tell you, I know from experience the same thing happened to me in other ministries where I served under other lead pastors. People would come to me, you're the real pastor. I said, nope, that's the real pastor. 
if there is a real pastor. <laughs> He's the leader in the church. I'm here to serve. I'm, I'm just loving on you as Jesus would love on you. You ought to go do your own thing. You ought to go do your own thing. I'm going to tell you this. Well-meaning people will get you out of the will of God faster than anything in this world, faster than sin, faster than anything, because they have good intentions. They love you. They have a love for God, but they're just like Peter when he said, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. And he said, shut up, Satan. Get behind me. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. It was the spirit that was manipulating Peter to say, no, you can't do what God calls you to do. And it's people who love you and have good intentions. It'll tell you, here's what you need to be doing. You need to be over here doing this. You need to go do this. You're so anointed. You're so gifted. You should be doing this. I'll tell you, to the best of my ability, I'm not going to hold anyone back. Is it fun and comfortable? No. It's not. To see people grow in the Lord and, and get excited about God and to know that God's going to move them somewhere else to do something greater than they can do here. It's one of the hardest things in the world for me. Just like watching my daughter grow up and go out of the home and get married. And I got a grandbaby coming real soon. <clears throat> Slid that right in there, didn't I? <clears throat> That's not easy, but you know what it is? It's right. It's right. It's what has to happen. It's what's healthy. It's, it's not healthy for me to hold her at home and her be 40 years old living in, in the house with me and no life of her own. That's not healthy. It would, be, it would be comfortable for me because I love her. I want, to be, I want to spend time with her, but I want her to be everything God's called her to be, and, and I, can't, I can't hold her to me. I have to release her to be who God's called her to be. And it's the same thing. In this family here, it's not easy, but I know it's what God's called me to be. That's why I have to know my, my identity so that I'm not intimidated when someone else stands here and they preach better than I do. They get a word stronger than I can get. I don't care because my identity is not wrapped up in this position. Pastor's not who I am. It's what God's called me to do. I'm a son of God. And you know what? If we shut the doors today and never gathered in here again, I'm still a son of God. And I'm still going to serve him, doing what he's called me to do. That is the determination that I want every one of us to have. I don't want us to make resolutions. I want us to be resolved that we're going to do something different than we've ever done before. I want us to be resolved that we're going to go in the secret place. We're not going to pray about it. We're going to do it. We're going to spend time uh, with him. You know, it's funny. I don't know where they all are, but it's all good. Raphael wrote everything on paper. I used to write everything in my iPad. Raphael wrote everything on paper. Then Justin last night had to give me a word that he saw me writing on paper. And I'd already been writing on paper in my prayer room. That's why I'd write on paper in my prayer room, and then I would transcribe it over into my computer. And this morning, he said, don't even sit at the computer. He said, you just get in the room with me. So I spent two hours in the room with him, sitting and laying in the floor. And then he would highlight something. I would just write it down. I am not getting rid of my iPad, so don't get in a ditch. I'm not giving away my Mac. Sorry. But... The Lord said, 
we can have all these wishful, hopeful, prayerful, let me make it spiritual, anointed desires from Deloitte. Ha, lucha. <laughs> oh, do you feel that? But if we do not take practical steps next year, whatever day the first falls on, might be a Monday next year. Doesn't it go backwards? I mean, forwards. Anyway, I don't care. We'll be here the first Sunday of next year or whatever, and we'll be going, oh, God, I just want to know you. God, I want to get prophetic words like Tish, like Brooke, and like, Others in the church who get these words and Ben, they, we, they get these words. God, I want that. And he said, I'm still here. Arms wide open. I'm ready. He isn't a respecter of persons. Now, let me clarify that. That doesn't mean if you pursue him that you're going to look like Ben or like me. Or Tish or anyone else. In there. That's not, he didn't call you to be a clone. He created you to be you. I, I don't remember who, where I read it, but it said God created us to be originals and we spend all our lives trying to be a copy. God created us to be originals. There's only one me. That's why I've got this thumbprint. Even this jacked up one that's got a big scar in it. Right? I'm sorry. <laughs> that was just because you needed to smile. He created us uniquely because he's got unique gifts and talents on the inside of you. He's got unique callings. There's people that you can reach that I can't reach. And we can wish for that to happen from now till Jesus comes. Or we can be intentional. And we cannot just say, I'm going to pray. But we pray. We can say, Jesus, I want to know you more. Listen, let me tell you this. There's nothing in you that desires to know him more than he desires to make himself known. So your prayer isn't begging God to come. Your prayer is opening your eyes to see what he's already brought. That's prayer. Our prayer doesn't, our fasting doesn't move God. I'm sorry. I'm just going to wreck some theology. This morning. Our prayer does not move God. Our prayer aligns us with what God's already done. Amen or oh me. Our prayer aligns us with what God has done and is doing, and it gives us a clarity. What fasting does is it gives us, it puts our flesh under so that we can hear more clearly what he's already saying. It doesn't change what God wants to do in our lives. How arrogant of us to think God, we want better for ourselves than he does. But it's the secret place. It's that time that we spend with him. And there's no substitute. There's, absolute, there's no school that can do it for you. There's no book you can read. There's great books out there. I'm reading a good book right now. There's great books out there. Stop, Tish. Tish, like, really, another book? <laughs> I read a bunch of good books all at the same time. <laughs> There's lots of good books, but they don't take the place of spending time with him. So here's two things I'm going to tell you. 
Very simple. Practical steps today, and I'm closing with this. Spend time with him, too. And this is what the Lord's been saying to me for a few years of my rebellion. Is spend time with me, write it down, and walk it out. Write it down and walk it out. Because once you write it down, then there's something you can go back to. There's something you can remember. I mean, I know all of you guys, your mind's sharper than mine, that steel trap that you have. That as soon as it comes in your mind, you never forget it. <laughs> Not. But when we write it down, what we're saying is, God, I'm being intentional. I'm going to write it down. And then I'm going to walk it out. You're not trying to perform to get God to do anything. You just say, God, I'm going to be obedient to walk out what I feel like what you're saying to me right now. And you know what's so amazing? The more that we do that, it could be something simple to begin with. And as you walk this journey with him, I promise you, I make a promise to you right here. If you're intentional to do this, you'll look back in weeks and months and go, Man, for years I prayed to be where I am right now. And then I took practical steps, and in weeks I'm here. That's how, when I began, I said, he, he's, this is going to be a year that he does exceeding abundantly above. It's not just because he's just going to all of a sudden be benevolent. He is love, and just pour it out on you. It's because we are going to make practical steps to not move God, but to align with where God's already moving in our lives. Amen? I'm very, very excited for this new year. I'm excited for what God is doing. Not going to do, but what he's doing. He's at work right now in the hearts of people. He's at work right now in the lives of people around you. And as we spend time with him, we, we're tuned in to what he's saying. And then we get around those so, same people. I had someone just last week tell me, well, you know, I, I, I felt like I was supposed to do this and I didn't do it. But, but they were on my heart last week. They were on my heart, but, but I didn't do what I felt like I was supposed to do. I said, you know what's awesome? Is that you thought about it where a week before you didn't even think about it. They weren't even on your radar. You walked by them for who knows how many months, how many years you've walked by them, and they, didn't even, they, they weren't even a blip on your screen. But as you begin to press into the Lord, now you see them. So as we begin to see him, we begin to see others. Like he sees them, and it can be people, you'd be amazed at the people you see. You watch, I'll say in the next weeks, not months, not next year when we gather to talk about it, but in the next weeks, as you see him, watch how much differently you see others. I'll go one even further. That person that just sandpaper to you, Watch what happens when you start seeing like Jesus sees. You won't see how they frustrate you. You'll see the hurt and the love that he has for them. And you'll go, they're not doing that just because that's what they want to do. They're doing that because they don't know how to do anything else. And you'll say, Jesus, could you possibly love me enough to love them? In your whole world. It's going to be turned upside down. That's what it said the disciples did. These are those guys that turned the whole world upside down. You know what? Because they started to see like he sees. 
That's how. When Stephen was being martyred, he could say the same things that Jesus was saying. God, they don't understand. Don't put this on them. They just don't see what I see. They just can't see what I see. Jesus, give them another chance. Come on. Yes, God. Let's stand.